0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Uh, we roll along here presented by Progressive Insurance. Christine Lisi, can you still hear me? Um, if, if Christine can hear me, can you open your mic? I, have, I need to ask you a question. I just heard you say something that I didn't previously know. So, so get Christine back in there. She, I was just listening to her sports center. She's outstanding as always. And you reported something, Christine, that I was not aware of, or at least you brought up something that I did not know was a rule. So guys, tell me when she's back in there. All right, Christine. Can you just read me the Kofi Coburn part of that story again? Yes, he already entered the draft in
2: twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. He cannot withdraw his name from consideration a third time per league rules, and that makes him ineligible to return from an NCAA standpoint. Per
1: whose rules? Is that the NBA's rules? It just or said the, the story said league, so I assume it was the NCAA. See that—that's the question. Or would it be the Big Ten? I don't know. I, 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 that's right, because you said he's not eligible from an NCAA standpoint, right? Here's the part that, of that that would, I would ask to anyone listening, why? Like, what did that just accomplish? So here's a young person who wants to figure out whether or not he can make a whole bunch of money by trying this thing, and you're telling him, well, there's a limit on the number of times you can do that. I don't really get that. Like, is what am I missing in this, Hembo? Is there so I get it? They, they finally allowed players to enter the draft process, go through the process, meet with teams, find out exactly where they may wind up without forfeiting their college eligibility, which should never have been against the rules in the first place. And now you're saying, yeah, you can do that, but only so many times. <laughs> like once you've done that twice. We can't let you do it a third time. Let's not be ridiculous here. That would become anarchy. I don't get it. Like, what, what am I missing, Hembo? Am I missing something?
2: I mean, I'm reading the same story that she is. I don't see any obvious reason why you could do it twice, but not a third time. But if you couldn't make stupid rules like this, then there'd be a lot of people that don't have jobs. In those I guess. <laughs> We're just, imagine that meeting.
1: Okay. <laughs> we, we reluctantly have to let these players find out if they can make the NBA or not. How do we still make this bad? Throw it around the room Why do you think Herbie what do you got I don't know Let's say they can only do it twice Genius Promote that guy That guy's all of a sudden Going to be the director of something Like that's just It's inanity Why What's the difference Why should this young What is Kofi Coburn 21 years old He's a big kid But he's not big by NBA standards He's a very good college player I have no idea What his pro uh, Potential is going to be I don't know where he's going to get drafted And neither does he And that's the point So let him go through the process and find out. And then if he decides it's not what I want it to be, I'm going to go back to college for another year. Why would we be dissuading that? And if you want to say that Illinois doesn't have to keep a spot open for him, fine. Then they can move on not knowing, but then he can go play someplace else that wants him. And I guarantee you they'll want him because he's an unbelievable college player.
2: So in the rule book, all it says is a player loses college eligibility if agent is hired or declares for draft twice. There is no further explanation. (laughs)
1: I mean, okay. I mean, look, I didn't I had no intention of saying that, but I was just getting ready to come on and I heard Christine say it. And I thought, well, what sense does that make? Like, what are we trying see rules when we make rules? Why do we have laws? Why did we invent laws in this country? Because you have to keep people from doing bad things. You have to keep people from doing things that will harm others. You can't just walk into a store and steal something because there is a victim in that. You can't assault someone. All the different things you can't do because that hurts someone. Who's being hurt by this kid testing the draft process a third time? Like, what is that accomplishing? Oh, we can't have that. Whatever happens, we can't have him do it. Listen. I get it. They want to do it once. That's fine. The second time, okay. But we can't let this happen a third time. We gotta. We, we, you're exactly right. We need someone that has to have a job in order to make rules like that. All right. I, I, I didn't mean to get sidetracked with that. It just doesn't make any sense. What'd you say?
3: It's the CB, It's in the CBA that. So it has to be. It's the something NBA's that The rule? NBA and the NCAA agreed on.
1: It's in the It's in the NBA's collective bargaining agreement.
3: Correct. Yes. I don't get it. Like what is the purpose of that?
1: The only reason I can think of why that would make sense from the NBA standpoint is if the if the if the colleges basically beg them. Look, you got to put some limit on this cuz we can't keep track of what's going on here. Look, all right, I'm I'm just going to get into the other thing that we were going to do. So Dick Vitale set off. I'm changing the order of we were going to get to this anyway. So I'll just do it since we're kind of on the topic. So Dick Vitale, whom I want to make it 1000% clear at the beginning. I love anyone who knows me, you know my relationship with Dick goes back 20 years. He's someone that I admire beyond my ability to put into words and I love. It doesn't mean that I can't disagree with him sometimes. And I guess, Hembo, you were telling me that he got a lot of people talking on social media yesterday talking about the transfer portal. That's right. Read me the tweet. I didn't see the tweet. I, I didn't see it. I didn't even know this happened until you told
2: me. Yeah, so he tweeted, pathetic what the, trans- what the transfer portal is doing to college sports. How is this chaos and cheating going on great lessons for young people to develop values needed for the game of life quitting slash lack of loyalty is what is happening traits that destroy people as they face the real world that's what he tweeted and that got a lot of reaction yesterday okay
1: i get it so let's let's just be clear who's cheating it's not the kids (laughs) it's not the players we're talking about so if we were to say we must do away with the transfer portal or somehow restrict the mobility of players because there's cheating going on which is to say that there are there are coaches out there who are recruiting actively recruiting players who are on other teams rosters on other schools rosters who's that whose fault is that you're you're limiting the options of the player because of the actions of these highly paid adults who who are the ones you should be keeping from doing what they're doing. What you need is legitimate penalties if this is something you're trying to keep from happening for those people. That is how you try to keep that, quote-unquote, cheating from going on. But here's another one where I'll just ask a question, and someone has to explain to me why this is better. All right. So I am the parent, as you know, of two college-aged children. Neither one of them are varsity athletes. Neither one of them are on scholarship. They both go to college. They are, are, happen both to be very happy where they are, and that's great. But because they are that age, I happen to know a ton of other kids who were their friends, who chose colleges, who were also not scholarship athletes or anything like that. They just went to college and found after some period of time there that it was not the right fit for them. That's the, that's the phrase. That is the way typically people talk about this. It was not a good fit. Could be socially, could be academically, could be geographically, could be for any reason. And you know what they do? They transfer. They go other places where they are happier. Is anything wrong with that? What am I missing? Like, what could possibly be wrong with that? You're allowing a young person to... So what, when one seen people say, is that a lack of Loyalty. If a kid, like I know a girl, I'm not going to say her name, but whatever. But I know a young girl, a young woman. She went to Michigan. It wasn't the right place for her. She transferred to Virginia. She's delighted. She's one of my daughter's best friends. She couldn't be happier now. She wasn't happy there. She is happy here. Was she not loyal? Like, what are we talking about here? I I don't, don't, if these are student athletes, if we are, if we are uh, in any way taking seriously the college part of this, we don't tell people where they have to go to college. If it's the wrong place for them, for whatever reason, and if you want to say they're making these decisions for bad reasons, purely for sports reasons, well, here's what I would say in return. If you'd keep throwing in my face that 99% of them are going to go pro in something besides sports, then let them go to college wherever they think is in their best interest. We don't legislate against people making bad decisions until it impacts people who have some stake in their decisions which is to say my daughter's friend transferring from Michigan to Virginia didn't impact anybody else. No one in Michigan cared. But if the quarterback of the football team wanted to do it, all of a sudden, wait a minute, that just became a problem. So that's a a disloyal decision to make. Or we need to protect that young person from making a decision that is ultimately not in their own best interests. We never protect young people from making decisions that don't impact us. So I'm not interested in if this is a problem for the coaches. They're getting paid millions of dollars. Figure it out. Figure it out. Joe Burrow, where would Joe Burrow be right now if it wasn't for the transfer portal? He would have been the backup quarterback at Ohio State for five years. And where would he be now? Instead of being one of the biggest stars in American sports with the potential to make hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and be a hero for the rest of his life. So the transfer portal to me while maybe there are some things about it that could be tweaked, adjusted, etc. I mean, on its face, I think it is a, an enormous step in the interest of fairness towards young people who deserve to be treated fairly. What am I missing?
2: I don't think you're missing anything, but to be fair to, to Dickie V, he obviously has relationships with all sorts of people across college sports for years and years and years and years. And in his defense, like there is some at least for some people, some extraordinary value in staying somewhere, building equity there, and in some cases, overcoming adverse circumstances there. And there is, in some cases, a fine line between quitting and you know, you know, going elsewhere because you might have a you know, better chance to play or something. I think there are many players... Just as many players that might benefit from transferring that would benefit from digging their heels into the ground, overcoming that adversity. What I would say in response to you,
1: Hembo, is that is their decision to make, not yours, not anyone else's. Yes, young people make mistakes. It happens. I see it. I was a young person and I am the parent of two young people and I see all of their friends and I see mistakes they make. And when I see my kids making what I perceive to be a mistake, if I think it is leading them into a place where there is serious danger, I jump in. And if I see them making what I think is a mistake from which they may learn a valuable lesson, I let them do it. Because, you know, the first time you touch a hot stove will be the last time you touch a hot stove. Until you know what a hot stove feels like, maybe you aren't as afraid of touching it. So you have to let young people make mistakes. If you try to keep them from ever making a mistake in their own lives, they'll never learn in the first place. Say, well, some of them make a mistake, sure. Some of them will be better. Some of them will be worse. But that should be their choice to make and their family's choice to make and whoever it is whose opinions they value. And I don't want to hear from the people who have a vested interest in their staying. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, those are the bad
2: actors. Those Those are the people,
1: those people who have, who do not have, I, I, I say this when I speak at graduations. In life, ignore criticism from people who don't have your best interest at heart. Criticism from people who care about you. If I were to say to you, Hembo, as you get better and better and better at this on the air, if I were to pull you aside and say, hey, let me give you a little bit of advice here, mm-hmm. you should listen to me because I have your best interest know, at heart. I know, I should talk slower. No, but but, but but whatever. The point is, I have your best interest at heart. If a coach tries to tell his point guard, don't transfer to that other place. <laughs> yeah. That's a different conversation. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next, uh, what did we not get to there? Oh, we will ask a very important basketball. We're going to run through all the NBA playoff stuff here. Stay with us. It's going to be great. Don't go anywhere. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.
4: You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day.
1: Was the one title in the bubble worth it for the Lakers? For everything they've given up. Let's make it clear. The Lakers are going to be terrible for the foreseeable future. Anthony Davis is never going to be healthy. Russell Westbrook is unfortunately well past his athletic prime, and that's what made him such a special player. And LeBron James, while definitively the great uh, great player of his generation and on the Mount Rushmore, in my view, of greatest players of all time, cannot get better at this age. It can only start going in the opposite direction. They also parenthetically have a ridiculously dysfunctional front office. and, and, And as a consequence, that's a terrible coaching job. That's not getting any better. So they won a championship in the bubble. Now, when they made the trade, they didn't know there was going to be a bubble. They didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. So we can't really hold that against them. We can't say, well, that championship in retrospect feels less important than others or less memorable because of those circumstances. Because that wasn't, no one could blame them for that not being part of the calculus. Well, we'll make this deal. Well, what if there's a global pandemic and we wind up playing the entire postseason in a bubble at Disney World? I don't blame them for not taking that into account. So let's just call it one championship. Was one championship worth what they gave up to get it? Because they traded Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, DeAndre Hunter, Brandon Ingram, Cash, and a first-round draft pick. Oh, two, three (laughs) first-round draft picks, sorry, to the Pelicans in that deal. They also traded a bunch of pieces... To the, warrior, to, the, um, to the Wizards to get Russell. But let's forget about that one. By bringing in Russell Westbrook, the real thing they lost was they lost Caruso because they, they wouldn't pay him after they got Westbrook. There would have been literally a one-for-one trade, Alex Caruso versus Russell Westbrook. They would have been infinitely better off with Caruso. But let's not even deal with that one for the moment. Let's just talk about the Davis trade. It got them a championship. They don't win a title, a single title, the one title they got without him. I'm not in any way diminishing that. But look at New Orleans. The Pelicans are way better than the Lakers right now, and they figure to get infinitely better as we go forward. For the next five years, they're going to be a contender, and the Lakers are going to start over again. Now, because they're the Lakers and because they have such an enormous built-in advantage based on their geography, their history, and people wanting to play there, they have a real chance to bounce back more quickly. Your average NBA team in the situation they're in would be looking at half a decade of just totally stinking. They may not, but clearly they're not in a good position and the Pelicans are in a great position. So, Nuno, I ask you the question. Brandon Ingram's on the verge of becoming a star, like a a major star. Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, look at these pieces. These are good players. DeAndre Hunter first round draft pick first round draft pick first round draft pick two that haven't even happened yet was one championship worth that yes or no nuno
3: i i think so because they needed that right it was been it's been 10 years they were a complete and utter disaster leading up and leading up to this so i think for them it's worth that now the issue is what what they look like going forward kind of like with the yankees right that 09 they went all in they won that 09 title and look at the last 11 years Yes, they are 12. Like, they've made playoffs, and they've made a couple runs, but they never got back there. Like, that's going to be the biggest shoot. But at the end of the day, I think that title for them was worth the title. And uh, for everyone across the board, the Lakers organization, Jeannie Bus, because she needed it, right? Because everyone was blaming her brother for the dysfunction. She needed that title more than anyone else, because if not, people were going to start turning on her. And I think that's what she needs to be careful at this point. And LeBron needed that title. So I think it, it ended up being... They pay the price. Now they just got to get out of this rut. I think that's fair. The Yankees are a good analogy, even if
1: I don't think that the trades themselves or the moves themselves were were apples to apples. I understand why you make it because um, the Yankees, like the Lakers, have so many championships in their history that the value, Like, just take the teams I root for. The New York Jets haven't won a championship in more than 50 years. The New York Knicks haven't won a championship in almost 50, 73, almost 50 years. One championship to them, is it worth more than one championship is to the Lakers or the Yankees? My inclination is to say yes, but then the more I think about it, the more I think, well, maybe the real answer to that is no. Because in that moment, like if your team is playing, if you root for the Yankees, and, and they're in the World Series and they lose a heartbreaker. I don't think you sit there and thinking, well, we've got 27 of them. You know, I guess it's OK. No, I mean, you're living and dying with every pitch in that moment. And I guess that's the same way with the Lakers. And again, I don't want to hold the bubble against them. I don't want to diminish the value of that championship because of the bubble. That's not fair. They won it. Everyone was in the same circumstance and they won it. They won the championship. They, 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 they earned that. I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from them. No, no. I think you might have actually swayed me, Bubba. What's the answer? Is one championship worth it for an organization like the Lakers to give up as much as they had to give up to get it?
0: Uh, I don't think so, because I think the thing we're focusing on here should be the organization like the Lakers. If you're talking about a team, you know, who's ne- you know, like the Magic or someone who hasn't won and they want they go all in for one year and then they win, like yeah, that, and then they're da- down for a while. That's one. The Lakers are supposed to be this. Unbelievable franchise, one of the top franchises in all of sports. Forget just basketball, and they're not someone who just be floating in and just doing one and then disappearing. They should be building, winning multiple championships. So if they're not doing that, that's a disappointment. And if you're saying they just won the one and now they're rebuilding for God knows how long, to me, I don't think that's worth. That's not what. That's not what it should be as a Lakers fan. That's not the Lakers way, if you will. They're supposed to be a preeminent franchise in the NBA that is winning championships, that's competing for championships. And they're not doing that.
1: So now you've sort of swayed me back to the other side. So Nuno took one side and he kind of swayed me. And now Bubba took the other side and kind of swayed me. Hembo, break the tie.
2: I think the answer is complicated. The the one title in the bubble was absolutely worth it for LeBron James, who obviously is not a uh, a lifelong Laker. But him winning his fourth is a huge deal on his ledger. It is absolutely not worth it for a Lakers organization that, has, that had already won 16 championships that now has essentially guaranteed itself irrelevancy for the next half decade. And keep in mind, this was a franchise that had not made the playoffs in the six years before they, they, they were able to bring in LeBron James. So we're going to talk now about a period of, of, of Lakers basketball over something like 10, 10 to 15 years in which they had this sort of moment in the sun, right? one championship in the bubble, regardless of whether or not you want to diminish that. It's sort of up to you. But for a fr- for, for, for I'm, I'm with Bubba for this franchise sacrificing so much of your future for one
1: championship is definitively not worth it okay fair enough it it, it's the they're good the the beauty of a question like that is that both arguments or both responses can have some reasonable merit so i'm kind of happy with that in the meantime i have a bunch more basketball questions that we will kick around and we will explain what might be the worst contract in baseball history those are next and this is greenie on espn radio
4: H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com slash network.
1: All right, we roll along here on ESPN Radio. So I'm told I want to hear this. So my old buddy Cappy, David Kaplan, uh, who I knew back in my uh, days in Chicago, Uh, Works for ESPN 1000, which is our Chicago station. And he was on with the KJM guys this morning. And I guess he was talking about the Bears' upcoming season. They don't have a first-round pick this year. And he was talking about their season. And he painted a very gloomy forecast, is what I'm told. But let's all hear it together. Here we go.
2: They are hoping a year from now they got their number one pick back. And they go, huh, we're picking third. All right, let's go get... The next Keyshawn Johnson. Let's go get a Hall Whoa. of Fame type guy. Let's get a great football player. We'll have $140 million in cap space. That's how they're thinking. And they're going to be the most active team in free agency in a year, which means this year they're going to get their freaking head kicked in.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That was all going along pretty well for a while. Um, I, I did, <laughs> Cappy, I did ask that question. When we look at the teams that you figure have no chance to compete, like even in an NFC that we can, the AFC is forget it, right? That's the hard part about being a Jet fan, for example, is like even success will be so incremental because there's like 12 teams in that conference that look like they could be excellent. In the NFC, how many of those are there? So they're not that many, three, four.
2: Excellent. Oh yeah. Three or four.
1: Right. Like maybe Tampa, the Rams, um, Maybe Green Bay. Dallas? I'm forgetting one. No, not Dallas. Sorry, Bubba. Who am I forgetting? It's, Isn't it's there one light, more? Uh, San Francisco? San Francisco, I think, could be good, depending who their quarterback. But I guess if you're making a list of teams you could see making the playoffs in the NFC right now, it's going to be a pretty wide list. Yeah. Because who knows? Philly could easily catch fire a little bit and be good. Mm-hmm. All those teams in the wet. Maybe not Seattle. Seattle's going to be bad. But Arizona, you know, those teams that... New Orleans, I've heard people say good. The Bears, I feel like, are one of the teams you would give no chance to.
2: Interesting. I'm looking at odds here on Caesar Sportsbook, and they have the Bears over-under for next season at six and a half wins. Six and a half wins. If you had to put $100 on that number today, which side would you choose? Probably under. Yeah, me too.
1: Which is a shame. There's 11 games now, so six and a half wins. To go under, you'd have to be six. What happens in the case of a tie? It's purely wins, right? Like 6, 10, and 1 does not equal a push. No, it does right? not. I, I thought of that. Like, how does that get worked out? You were literally just picking the number of wins. Of total wins. So 6, 10, and 1, you lose. 6, 10, and 1, you lose. Oh. Mm-hmm. So 6, 10, and 1, you lose. That seems worth factoring into the equation here. All right. We roll on here with much more in exactly 15 seconds. I will tell you about my encounter with one of our most talked about stars in 30 seconds after this word from NetSuite. In growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs. The one overwhelmed with manual processes, errors, and lack of control of the numbers. And the one who uses NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. With visibility and control of financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Head to NetSuite.com slash greenie for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's NetSuite.com slash greenie. So uh, in a commercial break, I'm just kind of roaming the halls aimlessly. And I, before we come on here, after, you know, we're wrapping up Get Up over there, and I hear a very distinctive voice. Hey, how you doing, baby? Good to see you. How you doing? All right. Everything good? All right. Good to see you. Good. You're looking good. And so I say, oh, Chris is in there getting ready to go on with Stephen A. on first take. So I go say hello to him. And, you know, we have a very nice little greeting, a hello, a little hug, a little whatever. How are you, Chris? I said, you know, I almost texted you yesterday. You hugged him? I hugged Chris Russo. <laughs> Why? Just, do you not? Feel, am I not a hugger or is he not a hugger? Uh, I, I don't know. I just didn't expect that's how you would encounter each other. That's all. That's just a brief hug. Not a handshake or a fist bump. A hug is a surprise. Oh, it was like a dap. Like a, like a dap up and showing love kind of hug. It dap. wasn't like a...
2: A dap is less... I, I can see a dap happening less than I would a hug
1: between I, the two of you. We didn't like embrace. <laughs> we, we like had like, okay, hey, what's going on? Cheek, you know, cheek, like cheek, a quick... No? no, no, none of that. There was no kissing involved, if that's what you're asking me. <laughs> anyway, you have sidetracked my conversation. I see Mad Dog. I go over and say hello. And I say to him, I almost texted you yesterday to jump on the radio show. Why, what's going on? And I said, I defended pulling Kershaw. And I don't even get the rest of the sentence out. Oh, I went crazy about that. I went crazy about it. And, and I, I regretted not doing it because I texted Costas. So when this happened, we talked about the Kershaw thing yesterday because I had been off since it happened. And I wanted to give my opinion on it, which I knew was contrary to that of most people which was that I had no issue whatsoever with them pulling Kershaw when they did. If you were with us yesterday, you heard that. And I said to Nuno in a break, I'm gonna, should we text Russo or Costas to jump on here? And I decided, I texted Costas, and it turns out he had no problem with it. Hmm. He, he wrote back, nope, and neither did Kershaw. Yeah. So he didn't have an issue with it. Russo went nuts. So I regret that decision. Now I should have texted him because if he had jumped on, we would have had some fireworks.
2: Before we move on from from Russo, can I just read for you an exchange that he had this morning on first take with JJ Redick? Okay, oh, Bubba, you said you had
0: the audio. Okay, okay. Are we We're going trying to, have to get it? the audio so you can hold off okay. right now?
2: Well, this it. I can promise you is phenomenal. So okay. he he and JJ Redick had a back and forth that will I can guarantee you make you laugh out loud.
1: Well, I'll say this: I know JJ Redick. I've gotten to know him a little bit. I know Chris Russo also a little bit personally, but obviously I I have been a fan of his for what feels like my entire life, although it isn't. There are no two more different people in this world than J.J. Reddick and Chris Russo. Do I have that right? Like what two people? This is a ridiculous analogy to make. But I was with Dick Schapp. And Paul Prudhomme one time, for those of you who don't know, Paul Prudhomme was a legendary chef, Chef Paul. If you saw a picture of him, you'd know what he looked like. He's no longer with us. But he was like the, the grandfather of New Orleans cuisine. He was a very famous chef. He had um, like lines of spices and he had a million restaurants. He was the chef at Commander's Palace, the most famous restaurant in New Orleans. He was, a yeah, that's Chef Paul. He came and cooked for us at Mike and Mike one time. To this day, the most delicious food I've ever eaten in my entire life was eating right out of the pan when he was cooking. For what, the, what did he make? He made like, it was breakfast time, so he made like an omelet with crab and stuff in it, wow. like New Orleans-y stuff. Hmm. The most delicious thing you've ever eaten in your whole life. But anyway, Dick Schaap is there. And Dick Shap because he asked the most interesting questions, asks Paul Prudhomme, what are the two most different tastes, the two most different flavors that, that you can think of? And he said, he said chocolate ice cream and some sort of very, very spicy pepper. I forget what it was. But those are the two most different things. Chocolate ice cream. So in this analogy, Chris Russo is chocolate ice cream and J.J. Reddick is a jalapeno pepper.
2: I think Russo is the pepper. <laughs> okay.
1: They can be either one you want. The point of the story is they're the two most different flavors that you can possibly be. Bubba, should I keep pause, should I keep uh, hemming and hawing here, or, or are you going to have it quickly, or should I go on to other things? Uh, you can go on. We'll cu- we'll come back. Okay, we'll come back to this. I, I now you're efforting it, so you've yeah, this is me. Go so on. funny. Okay, I, I want to hear it. It isn't about baseball. Very quickly, Russo obviously is known first and foremost for his baseball fandom and, and insight. I wonder if he thinks that the best pitcher in baseball is no longer the best pitcher in baseball and if it's going to wind up turning into one of the worst contracts ever, and that would belong to Garrett Cole, now of the New York Yankees.
2: Yeah, before the 2020 season, the Yankees signed Garrett Cole to a nine-year, $324 million contract.
1: Let's just say that out loud one more time. A nine-year, $324 million contract. And as it turns out, without an illegal substance called spider tack, which within a year they decided to outlaw, he can't pitch at all. That's right. Right?
2: (laughs) He can't pitch at all. Mm -hmm. So what I did this morning, Green, was I split his Yankees career in half. I looked at his stats before they started cracking down on foreign substances, and afterwards. It's actually a pretty even sample size. His first 26 starts with the Yankees, he had a 2.39 ERA with about 7.5 times more (laughs) strikeouts than walks. The best pitcher in baseball, so or at least the best ERA pitcher in the American League. his ERA
1: 2.39, and his, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is roughly 7.5 to 1.
2: That's right. The best okay. pitcher in the American League. Got it. He's made 23 starts since Major League Baseball cracked down on spider okay. Tech. During that time, his ERA is 4.50, 4.5 exactly. So, it's
1: gone from 2.39 to 4.50.
2: And his strikeout-to-walk rate has essentially been shaved in half. It's like, three, like about, about
1: 3.5 to 1. So it's less than half what it was. So is, that, is there any way in the world that's a coincidence? That's the question. <laughs> like, like I, I, I keep coming back to Occam's Razor, which, which for the old Mike and Mike fans might remember. There was a term that someone brought up and we didn't know what it meant. I myself did not know what it meant. And we looked it up and I have fallen in love with it, which is to say, anytime you were seeking an explanation for any phenomenon, the most obvious one, is usually true that's occam's razor so if he has 26 starts and he was the best pitcher ever and 23 starts after the fact and he's no semblance of that the overwhelming likelihood is that it was the sticky stuff the problem is they have 7 years and how much money left i that's mean, just i mean if we're just dividing it equally it's got to be something in the ballpark of $270 million left on this contract. Is that
2: right? 252, including this year.
1: And how old is he? He's, thir- uh, he's in his early 30s still. But the thing is... Um, but my he- point is he's going to be in his very late 30s by the end of that. So do we think he's going to get better or worse, independent of the sticky stuff? We think he's obviously going to get worse. Because- so he's going to go from being a below-average starting pitcher which he is right now, who really turned me off by being incredibly upset on opening oh, day by so having to annoying. wait four minutes oh, for Billy Crystal to leave oh, the mound for the love of Christmas. So annoying. Jesus. But that's neither here nor there. So you got that. Mm-hmm. And, and But that is what it is. But now this is going to wind up being one of these contracts we talk about forever. Right? A potential
2: albatross, right? If, if Garrett Cole can't significantly modify... The way that he pitches, he is go- it's, it's going to be one of the worst contracts, at least amongst those that, that didn't get, you know, catastrophically injured. I watched every pitch he threw yesterday against the Tigers, okay? He could not get the, ti- the bottom third of the Tigers lineup to swing and miss through a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. He's throwing fastballs at the top of the zone, and ev- they're just spoiling every single one of them. I checked this morning because he can't spin the baseball like he used to. Like Garrett Cole had this one not-so-well-kept secret. The Yankees didn't care. They signed into a $300 million contract. And over the last almost full season now, 23 starts, Garrett Cole is a league-average starter, and that is being generous. There's no other uh, conclusion for me to draw that he was a product of spider-tack because... Garrett Cole wasn't that good before he went to the Astros. We obviously know that's not an, uh, an organization that is exactly beyond reproach. He, went, he was okay with the Pirates. He was phenomenal with the Astros. And now over the last year, he's just been okay with the Yankees. So you can sort of do the math there.
1: Uh, so let me come to my vice president of Yankee fandom, and that would be one hashtag Nuno. How do we feel about this Nunes?
3: I'm going to op- uh, file a, a civil lawsuit against Garrett Cole for... Uh, <laughs> lying to us he cheated us like this organization gave him all this money based upon thinking that he was actually this great pitcher and lo and behold it's because he needs this needed that spider attack like I feel like we as fans there's there's a Yankee lawyer, a fan, a Yankee fan who's a lawyer out there. Let's get this, and they love filing, filing uh frivolous lawsuits. Let's get together. Let's file a frivolous law, uh, lawsuit against Gary Cole <laughs> for you know cheating us out of these hopes and dreams that he would lead us to the promised land. Greeny, really, not only
2: yeah. <laughs> not only did the, the Astros steal the 2017 pennant from the Yankees, but now Gary Cole they
1: unloaded Cole on him. <laughs> I mean, which is way worse. It's going to have a far greater impact on them. Well, oh. maybe not than that did quite. But God. look, it is. What can you say? I mean, what can you say? So so that's where they live. Let right me now. ask you. Twenty three
2: starts is enough to where we can say what the bleep, dude. Right. Like of this course, is a thing. Of course. Twenty three
1: starts is almost an entire season. Right? I mean, what is one season's worth of starts? 35 30. starts? 37 starts? This is, yeah, this is 124
2: innings. This is nearly a full season.
1: Yeah. And all you have to do is watch and you see it. Yep. I mean, if mm-hmm. you just put the television on, you can't miss it. So there's that. All right, tell me, should I go to something else or do you have this soundbite?
0: We're seconds away from having it. Seconds so it's away. So, it's, it's Mad Dog and, and JJ arguing about Chris Paul. All right. Nuno's uh, just saving it right now. They're
1: arguing about Chris Paul on first take today. <laughs> Chris Russo, I have no oh, idea why is so everyone good. is laughing around me. This I don't is know why. So, good. so I'm looking forward to hearing this. So uh, Bubba, you just tell me when it's Wait, ready.
2: We're just waiting. It's the word. most Chris Russo thing ever, and J- and JJ's <laughs> response is just brilliant. Okay. It shows their differences. Like you talked about how different they are. Yeah. This will be like that in a beautiful microcosm. Right.
1: One of them is is chocolate ice cream, and the other one's a jalapeno pepper. That as it's a quote, the late great. Paul Prudhomme, whom I loved, by the way. All right, Bub, are you telling me it's ready? I can see him frantically yep, working right, over there. Go. All right, here we go.
0: I actually haven't heard it either, so okay. here we go.
4: Putting him on this level of the all-time greats, when you put him on a level of the all-time greats, you can't have these Is kind of games. He's an game. all-time great, you can't put,
0: you he, He's can't absolutely on, you can't an, all-time, he's an all-time great point guard. If he wins a championship, he's in the conversation for the greatest point guard ever. I'm not saying oh he's no, great- he's not the greatest point guard. He's not Bob Cousy. He's not Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy couldn't dribble with his left hand.
4: Bob Cousy changed the game. Chris Paul didn't change the game. Bob, Bob Cousy, Cousy won championships
0: game. when there were eight teams in the NBA and you had to win two playoff series. Uh, let's, fe- let's celebrate Bob Cousy in his era,
4: but you can't Bob, compare pre-1980 well, we never- with with with, oh, with, yes, you with the modern yes, NBA. You no, you cannot. <laughs> Cousy, no, well, how about Western Oscar? Can you compare Cousy with Western Oscar? The great players could play in any era. There's okay. no doubt about Cousy that. Kuzey was they're, they're, first they're... team all in NBA when Kuz when Western Oscar were playing, and he was first team all in NBA. That's against Western Oscar. Well, first team all NBA. You know, has Paul ever been first team all? nba Did Bob Kuzey ever shoot over forty percent from the field? Well, in his we career. understand that. You're did he right. oh, Did he no, ever shoot over forty percent? Probably thirty-nine, forty percent. Different kind. Not of game. once. I. It's not fair. once. That's fair. You also had twenty-nine assists in an NBA game. Oh well, you know, he was being it, guarded it. by plumbers and firemen. Oh,
0: that's not fair. That's not
1: fair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. So I'm gonna stand up for Mad Dog on this one. Okay? Here's here's why I actually side with Chris on this. Because Bob Cousy, you can only judge players relative to the era in which they played. It's unreasonable. to If Bob Cousy had been born 60 years later, he would have done all kinds of different things than he did. So it is not fair to suggest that Bob Cousy is lesser than the great players of today because he was obviously less athletic and all the rest of that. The game was just different. The reason he's playing against plumbers and firemen is because those guys weren't getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars. They didn't have private chefs and gyms in their house and all that kind of stuff. Another guy who played in that era was, was um, uh, 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 what's his name, Vandway, Dr. Ernie Vandway. Ernie Vandway, his son is Kiki Vandway. Ernie Vandway was called Dr. Ernie Vandway because he was a doctor. He only played home games. He didn't travel with the Knicks to play road games. Because he made a lot more money as a doctor than he did being a basketball player. Can you imagine that today? Kevin Durant's only playing home games because he's seeing patients the rest of the time? I mean, that's not what the way the world works. So I do not think it is fair. Look, do I think Chris Paul is one of the greatest players of all time? I absolutely do. I think J.J.'s argument, we talked about it on Get Up. I think I was the one who said it which is that Chris Paul is a championship away from being in the discussion for being the greatest point guard of all time. That's not the same thing as saying Bob Cousy, as diminishing the greatness of Bob Cousy because of the era in which he played. It's not fair. being guarded
0: it, it, by plumbers and firemen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is not fair. It,
0: was being it is, guarded. however,
1: a, a brilliant zinger. But,
2: but you're right. It's only fair to compare players to their contemporaries. And we know for sure that the modern player is infinitely better than Bob Cousy, for example, because... We, we, and the reason we know for sure is because of Olympic sports like swimming and track and field, where you see how the progression of the world record
1: changes every few years. Well, like we don't have to wonder
2: if if Chris Paul was better than Bob Cousy, we know. The but Pittsburgh that's not the Steelers question.
1: had an offensive line in the 1970s that was by far the best line in the league and was on steroids. The biggest guy on that line weighed 270 pounds. You tell me how different the world is. You can't compare <laughs> things like that. I'm prepping for the draft. If a guy is 308. And they list him as having to put on some weight. He's a Mm. tad undersized. Mm. He would have been, he would have been, the refrigerator William Perry was called the refrigerator. He wasn't as big as that. All right, Russo's right. We'll see you tomorrow. ESPN Radio.
0: He was being guarded by plumbers and firemen.